Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network, 153 affiliates strong, with the addition of our newest affiliate in Amarillo, Texas. Thanks to all of you in our listing audience. Our producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to uh, send a message to me or get a hold of me, you can go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. On Facebook, it's Carrie Hall, C-A-R-Y-H-A-L-L, or America's Healthcare Advocate, um, or you can actually pick up the phone and call if you have a question for me about health insurance or health issue. I had a gentleman from Texas reach out to me a couple of weeks ago about an oral surgery gone bad, and we were able to help him find some folks that uh, got him back on the right path. So if we can help you, 877-385-2224. We have operators standing by. They will take your call. I will get back to you after the broadcast, 877-385-2224. Joining me in studio in the ongoing series we're doing on animal health, once again, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, behavioral specialist and our vet. Welcome back, doctor. Great to be here, Carrie. Great to have you back up here. So this is going to be fun today because uh, we're going to talk about some interesting things. Um, you know, we're rolling toward summer here, um, and with summer comes all kinds of issues for your for your dog um, or your cat. Uh, 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 but uh, and and the new things they're going to get to deal with uh, for summer. One of the things here in the Midwest that seems to be um, kind of interesting, you in some of the notes you sent me before the show, is parvovirus. So. First of all, tell folks what that is, and number two, why is it on the rise here in the Midwest? Yeah. Well, it's it's a devastating virus, and uh, the virus basically goes in and ravages uh, the intestinal tract uh, as well as the immune system, and, and the uh, the intestines are inflamed, they lose, the pets lose fluids uh, into the gut, so they dehydrate really quickly, and the fact that it, it also destroys the immune system is really a double whammy for the poor dog. And uh, it's um, most common in, in puppies, young dogs, their immune system is not very developed, well developed anyway. And it, uh, it really attacks a dog and causes problems really quickly. I've had people that um, in the morning their pet maybe seems a little bit off and they go home 10 hours later and the puppy's vomiting, has diarrhea, is lethargic and barely move. Uh, so there's a high fatality rate with that virus. Wow. So that, that's scary. I mean, just to hear that. Description. I, I mean, I've known about parvovirus bias for a long time. I did not know all of those details. So where, how does this get transmitted? Where does it come from? Um, let's go to that. Yeah, it's uh, the it's an oral fecal route is how they describe it. Basically, the virus is passed in the feces of an infected uh, animal for several weeks. And uh, if another dog is exposed to it, if you take your unvaccinated puppy to a park or an area where you have maybe strays that are yep. spreading the virus, uh, they'll pick it up. And, so pet, uh, these dog parks 
are are, are obviously going to be prime time uh, for the opportunity to pick this up. Yeah. Any place where you have a lot of dogs, especially unvaccinated dogs, so stray dog areas even worse than dog park areas. And uh, it, it lasts in the, it's a hardy virus. It lasts in the, virus for, in the vi- environment for months uh, after really? the dog passes the stool. So if you have a puppy that has that, uh, you've really got to de- decontaminate your yard and get it out of there before you bring another dog in. Wow. I had no idea. That's interesting. So um, how do you prevent this? What's, what's the solution? It, vaccinations are very effective. Okay. And so parvovirus is a uh, vaccine is a part of the uh, multi-vaccine that we give the puppies. And puppies should get their first vaccine between about six to eight weeks of age. Uh, and then typically that vaccine is boosted around 12 weeks of age. And very importantly, vaccinated for the last time during the puppy period at 16 weeks. And that last vaccination is the most important. And then it's boosted a year later. And then in most most areas, we booster it. Uh, it's boosted about every three years. Okay, so six, 12, and 16. Mm-hmm. All right, so now, you know, Greta came from a, a, a very specific breeder in Michigan that bred German boxers. That's the dog we wanted, and so that's what we did. So how important is it to make sure that the breeder – Six weeks, okay, the dog very possibly still with the breeder. You don't get the dog till it's 8, 10, or 12 weeks maybe. Mm -hmm. So how important is it to make sure that you have something showing they got that parvovirus shot? Very important. And if you're when you adopt, uh, a a breeder situation is probably the best place to go in uh, in regard to knowing – uh, about the background of the dog. Right. Now, sh- shelters are great places to adopt to, but you don't know about the background. You haven't got a clue. So, so you got some question marks there. But yes, you want to talk to the breeder about uh, how the breeder cares for the, the parent dogs, how they care for the, for the puppies, where they've been vaccinated, what they were vaccinated with, what the dates were. Uh, and uh, a good breeder will have all that information. They won't. They won't say, "Well, I'm not sure. I think we got it, or anything like that." They no, we know. We vaccinated. Records. We yeah. know how important this is. And here's your information. And you need to see your veterinarian within three days. Share that information with your veterinarian, and uh, your veterinarian will let you know when the vac- next vaccination is due. Yeah, you, there's a big difference between a good breeder and puppy mills, and and, and big difference. Yeah, there is. <laughs> For instance, uh, in Greta's case, as with the case of. of almost all the dogs we had. We had history going back four generations Mm -hmm. on the sire and the dam. So we knew, you know, what this dog's bloodline was and and, and then all the other issues that are critically important. So, you know, if you're dealing with a reputable breeder, like you said, they don't mind. They fully expect you to ask those kinds of questions. Um, And if you do, we got all of her records, all the information. We got the parents' information so we knew exactly what we were getting. And she's been an absolute delight. Yeah, and, and another good tip is that a good breeder will ask you a lot of questions. You know, that's funny because They're, they did. Yes, they yeah, got. They, they want to know what your home, yeah. home home environment's like, what your experience is with pets, yeah. uh, what kind of veterinary care you've provided for pets in the past, and so forth, because they're invested in their pets as opposed to, to these dogs that come out at puppy mills and go through pet stores. You know, they just want to sell the dogs. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, and we and, and and you know the last well the last four dogs we've had came from breeders, but we were very specific about what we were getting. Um, and 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 you're right, that's really funny. I hadn't thought about that, <laughs> but they ask us first time. I'm kind of like. Really? Yeah. I guess that makes, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, we got a lot of questions. You know, do you have a fenced yard? You know, is the dog going to have time outside? How much time do you have? With it? I mean, we got to ask a lot of questions. It was very right. interesting. In fact, if I remember correctly, we actually had to tell them that you were our vet um, and, and show that we actually had a vet that, that, we, that we took, that we had at that time. We had Emma 
when we brought Greta in. So they so they wanted to know that we had. A, I remember that's really funny yeah. that you said that. They weren't offended by it they, no. uh, by us asking them questions, but but as you said, they did ask us questions. So what are some of the other things in summer? You know, there's fleas and ticks. That's a big issue. Um, you know, what what are what are some of those other issues that need to be um, looked at it and, mm-hmm. and pay more attention to this time of year than than typically, um, you know, in, in the winter, for yeah. example? Yeah, parasites are a, a big concern during the summer. So as uh, soon as it's warm enough where you're starting to see insects outside, uh, you need to make sure your pet's on a good flea and tick preventative. The other biggie is uh, heartworms. And heartworms yep. uh, are transmitted by mosquitoes. And they transmit a little microscopic larva that within six months will grow grows to be about six to eight inches long and lives in the heart and the blood vessels uh, in the lungs. And it, it's it's devastating. It's just the dogs that have this disease, uh, when, when they have enough parasite load, uh, they'll have develop heart disease and uh, uh, it, it'll be a killer uh, if, it's, if it's not treated. But it's easily prevented. Right. And there are a wide variety of medications available now uh, that- Well, ours uh, is like a, it's like a little liver treat that, yeah. that we get that you, yeah. My dog, I bring I bring out the heartworm preventative. My dog, his eyes get big. And yeah, goes, yeah, all right. they, 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 yeah, Greta's all about that. Yeah, yeah, I never have any trouble getting her to take that particular yeah. medication. Yeah, but that, that's, and that's really important. That's probably the most important parasite uh, that, you, that you want to prevent because it's, and it's expensive to treat too. If you have, the pet gets heart or intestinal worms, uh, the treatment's not too serious. Usually it's a, a, some type of oral medication. It's not very expensive. Heartworm disease, uh, it could cost $600,000 to treat the pet. And because it affects really important organs, uh, the workup involves uh, shooting uh, x-ray films of the chest, uh, wow. a lot of blood work, urinalysis, uh, because uh, the treatment drugs are, are pretty heavy duty. Uh, and so you want to make sure you know what you're getting into when you start. The but treatment. all of that can be prevented if you give that, you know, we have, it comes in a box and on the box, it gives you a place to put the date you gave it to them. So, you know, each month, you're giving them the um, – your, your, I give it to them year-round. She gets it in the winter, and she gets it in the summers. The, the, yeah. We've always done it that way. And that's a really good idea because uh, almost all the heartworm preventatives that are available now also prevent uh, several of the real common intestinal worm infections also. Okay, well, I didn't know, so it's mm-hmm. good to know. So yeah. it, not just in the summer, but year-round. Yeah. That's the way we're doing it. It's a good way to do it. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more uh, about adopting pets. We're going to talk about uh, uh, kittens and some of those issues. We're, all gonna, we're also going to talk today about that favorite topic, how to train your dog, house training, how much fun that is. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about something interesting that we're doing, which is brushing Greta's teeth. Yeah, you're going to find that very interesting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back. The doctor's in the house. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Shows are posted up there if you want to tell somebody about this great show I'm doing here today with Dr. Hunthausen. Um, they're posted up there. They're a podcast on, uh, throughout uh, on a whole series of platforms. So you can go up on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Spreaker, uh, we're, we're on a whole group of those things. So if you want to go up there and tell somebody, hey, there's a great show up there, listen to it on the 
podcast, you can do that. If you are here in the Kansas City metro and you would like to see Dr. Hunthausen or go to Westwood Animal Hospital, the phone number is 913-362-2512, 913-362-2512, and the website, westwoodanimalhospital.com, westwoodanimalhospital.com. They do a lot of great things there. They also do a lot of training there. So if you uh, if you got a young dog and you're interested in doing some training, you want to learn, uh, they've got a whole separate facility where they do all of that. Uh, and Dr. Hunhausen is a behavioral expert, so uh, he's 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 a great person to consult with when you have issues. So, so before we get into this next topic, I have to tell the story. So Greta had tooth issues. We brought her in to see you, mm-hmm. and she had two teeth. She's a boxer, and their their mouths are a, a mess. They're a big jumbles, what they are. Um, and you sent us to a dentist, a, a doggy dentist. There is such a thing, and they removed two teeth from her. They were infected. Um, and um, so we go back for the checkup, and the doctor says, um, well, you really need to start brushing your teeth. Now, I've had dogs since I was in the military, and I was 19 years old, and I've never brushed dogs' teeth. And I was like, seriously, right? He said, yeah, you need to start brushing your teeth. Okay, so how, what are we going to use, Crest? No, we have this toothpaste. It's, made, it's got chicken in it. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, and you and I are talking off air about this a minute ago, he said, now look, some dogs will let you do this and some don't care for it too much. Well, let me tell you something. This is a routine every morning. All Lori has to do is say, we're going to brush your teeth, Greta. And she's up sitting there waiting to get her teeth brushed because that chicken is going. So she's become very happy with this whole issue of having her teeth brushed. So talk a little bit about why that's important. Because I honestly, in all the years that I've done dogs, I've never done that until we got to uh, Greta in this situation where she had these two impacted teeth. They took them out, and then he said, "Look, she, you know, she needs to have her teeth brushed." Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, the concerns in with the dog's tooth, teeth are and a cat's teeth and human teeth are, are the same. And uh, when you eat, you have plaque, the soft plaque that builds up that becomes mineralized into tartar or calculus and uh, if you allow that to build up it'll get under the gums separate the gums from the teeth and you get bacteria and food up there uh, around the root area and then you get infected roots and you eventually lose the teeth so uh, uh, brushing the teeth that's a gold standard for getting the plaque off before it becomes mineralized Uh, there are additives that you can place in in the water uh, providing chew toys uh, with the rubber chew toys with grooves where when the pet chews on those those rub against the teeth that'll brush off some of the plaque too those all really helpful and for cats, we have uh, fish flavor toothpaste. <laughs> so, well, they uh, like chicken too. Yeah, so, I, and they yes, they, but have they do like fish a lot better. And and that's fish. funny. Yeah. Now they're a little bit more of a challenge. Oh, I can. Only, I don't, I really, we don't have. We're done with cats. We, you know, Laura, we had three. We're done with cats. But I can only imagine what that would be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greta thinks it's cool. She's sitting there every morning. All she's lays in her bed. She's it's time to brush her teeth. She's up. Uh-huh. And then, and we did get this. Um, additive we put in the water it kind of turns the water green and he said you know some dogs will do it and what well she has no issue with it at all yeah so and, and it's made a big difference she had horrible breath with those teeth were infected and we didn't know what it was obviously yeah. but now uh, she hasn't none of that is manifesting mm-hmm. itself and she's you know she's humming right along yeah and w- when you uh the teeth get to a point where there you have infections or you have a, a lot of gingivitis uh the problem is it goes beyond the mouth because that bacteria will get into the blood and it'll affect other organs like like the heart the liver and so forth it just taxes the whole body having that junk floating around uh that's coming off out of a mouth that's not been cleaned yeah, I can imagine that, you know, the, the, the longer that goes on, probably the worse it's going to be, right? Right, that's certainly true. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit. We're, we've got enough time in this segment to do this. Let's talk a little bit about what people should do when adopting pets. You know, what, what do they need to do and what do they need, you know, what, what do they need to be aware of? Well, 
uh, th- first of all, they want to make sure that the the, the pet comes from a a, a a good source, and so uh, we're looking at either breeders. Uh, if you want to, looking for a purebred dog, or you want to know more about the background of the dog, are you going to go to a shelter? And uh, what you don't want to do is you don't want to uh, adopt from a, a pet store or a puppy mill uh, where they uh, don't pay any attention to. Um, uh, the, the breeding of the dogs, they don't pay any attention to genetic problems. Uh, that can be, that's, a, that's certainly a problem. Uh, if you get a dog from a breeder, uh, we talked about earlier that a good breeder is going to ask you questions about what's going on. You, they should be invested in their puppies, and uh, they want to make sure they're going to a good home. Uh, if uh, uh, You also want to inspect the environment. The environment should be clean. Uh, the, uh, the breeder should have information on, on the uh, health background of the pet and vaccinations and so forth. All right. So, you know, when, when, when you're typing inspecting the environmental rest, when you walk into some of these pet stores and they've got row after row of kitties and dogs in these kennels and, and, you know, there are people in there taking care of them the rest of it. But how, you know, how important is all of that when you're thinking about, well, is this really a good idea? Um, you know, when I'm dealing with one of these, you know, very large pet stores may have 15 or 20 animals in there um, in a shared space, even though they're in separate kennels. Um, how important is that to really know? Is, is that really a good idea, doctor? Well, in a big operation like like that, uh, they've got puppies coming in from probably a variety of sources around the country. Meaning and puppy mills? Meaning puppy mills. Okay. Exa- exactly. All right. Yeah, or, or backyard breeders who are just trying to make an, think they can make an extra buck by turning out some some puppies in their backyard. But uh, when they're coming in from different areas like that there's, and mixing them like that, there's a big risk of, of bringing in uh, uh, infections, infectious diseases with these puppies. So there's a good chance that you go home with a dog that has a serious case of uh, upper respiratory disease or maybe parvovirus or distemper like we yeah, talked about. Yeah, that's exactly about. what I was thinking about was parvo when yeah. you gave that description yeah. and, because there they are commingling. Right. And the, the age is an issue because uh, at that age, their immune system is a lot weaker, so they're more susceptible to diseases that might come into a store. And it's also a real sensitive period in the puppy's life it's the socialization period and that the socialization period for puppies is between about four and 12 weeks of age and that's when they're really sensitive to their environment and social interactions and they really should be in a calm stress-free environment uh, where they can bond with the family and they can learn that uh, you don't have to deal with a lot of new stuff every day uh, that's going to going to stress them out and, and dogs that go through that uh, that that period in a big pet store uh, they can have some big behavioral issues yeah that's really funny because emma came from a breeder that we we really Really, once we got her, we had her, but we were not very happy with it. They didn't check out to be who the dogs were going to be. And she was, there were definitely some behavioral issues there. And they were because she was in an environment where she was stressed out as a puppy. Um, and she never really quite got over that. I mean, there was always an issue there, especially around other dogs. She was extremely aggressive. Um, and I chalked that up to what she lived like as a puppy. When you put them in that kind of environment where they are stressed all the time and they're agitating, 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 um, that stays with them. So it, it can definitely be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so th- that's interesting because I don't think a lot of people realize that if you haven't handled dogs, have been around dogs a lot, or even cats, I'm assuming, that's probably not a very good way to go. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And then the, the, since we're on the idea of socialization and how important that is. Well, uh, you just it, killed it in chance of that because the, the dog is upset. Yeah, they have a little contact during the day with a wide variety of people handling it when, when the pet and stressing the pet out, and then they're back in a cage by themselves at night. Right. All right, folks, we're going to come back from the break. We'll talk some more about exercise training and one of my favorite topics, how do you house train, potty train the dog? Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can send me an email from up there if you want to, if you've got a question, a comment, if I can help you with something, I'm happy to do that. My producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Wayne Hunhausen. If you want to reach the doctor or um, you want to schedule a time to go to the clinic, if you're here in Kansas City, their hospital is Westwood Animal hospital.com it's where we've gone for 10 years with all of our dogs and cats westwoodanimalhospital.com is the website the phone number 913-362-2512 the always pleasant miss emily will probably answer the phone and be happy to help you she is and she's very good but she's a big royals fan too i always have a nice conversation with her 913-362-2512 he's happy to help you all right so let's this is you know so this is that time of year it's spring early summer and what do people do they go out and get puppies That's right. okay and then we have that fun time where maybe they haven't had a dog before or they were kids they don't remember what it was like but we're going to have that little process called potty training, house yeah. training. And that can be a tremendous challenge. Talk about that, doctor. It, it, it is. That's probably the single biggest hurdle you have to get through with a pup is that issue. So oh. let's talk about Oh, that. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's scary for a lot of people. People that haven't raised dogs before, it's like, you know, where do I start? Is there some kind of voodoo here, some kind of magic thing I need to do? <laughs> but, but it's really pretty simple because what you're basically doing is you're teaching the pet to prefer to eliminate on one type of surface or area uh, like grass typically, and not eliminate on any other surface, which would be carpeting or furniture or the bed or whatever Thank you. else. All, in the, all house. the above. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, there's, and there's really two things that are, that are in consideration here. One is you teach the dog where you want it to go, and that's the easy part. You tip, simply put the pet on a regular feeding schedule so you have an idea when it will have to eliminate. Okay, you, so stop right there because let's make sure. So they eat. How soon do you put them out after they eat? For young puppies, within 30 minutes. Okay. And so after I feed a young puppy, I'm going to keep my eyes on the puppy. And the minute it starts looking around or maybe sniffing the least little bit, uh, I'm going to take the puppy outside. Okay. And then uh, with the puppy, it starts to eliminate in a calm way, not to distract the puppy. You say, good puppy, give it a verbal reward. And as soon as it finishes, give it a small treat outside. And that oh, how interesting. A but small treat outside. It has to be. Yes. Most people will wait till a puppy comes back right. in and they give the treat. And what have they done? They've rewarded <laughs> the last behavior, which is to come in. And I had yeah. a I had a behavior problem one time where this fellow had a dog that would go out and urinate. Uh, and then he would bring it, he'd, bring, he'd run back inside, he'd give it a treat, and he'd go upstairs and take a shower before work. And the dog would go out and defecate under the dining room table. <laughs> And so what he did is he was he was just teaching. This. Well, at least he used the dining room. There we yeah. go, folks. Yeah. So yeah. what he was doing, he was just teaching his dog to urinate and run back inside as fast as he could to get a biscuit before right. he defecated. And the poor dog didn't get to take time to go to the bathroom because right. they had to take some, so it's a little process. They had to go sniff around, look, all this right. stuff. Yeah. 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 So 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 anyway, so you reward the dog for going outside. That's that's the easy part. Take the puppy out about every hour or two as often as you can, so it never makes a mistake in the house. The second part is more difficult, and that's to keep the pet from developing unacceptable surface preferences in the house, which means that puppy has to be with the eyesight 100% of the time, not just turn your back and let it wander off with an eyesight 100% of the time, or she can be confined to a small area, either to a, a kennel, a small kennel if you're doing kennel training, uh, or if, if the uh, for families that are gone eight hours a day every day, uh, those small crates, I think, are, are too small. They don't allow the puppy to move at all. And so I like uh, these exercise pens. They're classable four-by-four four right. pens. Right, we've got that. And you cover them with paper. And so in that case, if you're going to be gone all day and you can't get the puppy out and might have to go before you get back, then that puppy is either going to go on paper if it has to when you're gone, 
or it'll go on grass when you get back. So you have two surface preferences that develop. What about the pads? Then you take the paper. Pads are fine. Okay, so that they they can work. Yeah, right. You put them inside the inside the kennel and inside the, the yeah. enclosure, and then and they can and they can work. Yeah, and, and for families that have small dogs and they live like uh, you know twenty store of twenty stories up yeah, uh-huh. on a condominium, uh, it might not be convenient to get all the way down for you know every couple of hours for a puppy to get it on grass. And so that puppy pad training or, or paper training here initially is probably going to be a go-to for them. And then they can go out to the, the training to have the pet go outside, outside on grass. Okay, so what is the typical period, number of weeks? You get a puppy, your puppy is now weaned, it's 12 weeks old, um, eight weeks old, whatever the case may be. How long before, how long do you typically have to go? You're smiling because I'm sure this is not a universal answer. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it depends on the on the family yeah. and how consistent they are. And so if they're really so consistent. So it depends on the family and how consistent they are, not so much the dog. Yes, exactly. Okay. So if we have a, a, a family situation where we have a family member that's home all day and can take that puppy out every hour or two so the puppy never has a chance to get started in the house, uh, it's feasible with the 12-week-old puppy to have it trained within, within four weeks weeks wow uh so it's worth the effort let's go back to that for a second because that means yeah that's intense i mean you've got to be there Lori's done it every time the dogs because i was always gone but now that you know i'm (laughs) semi-retired i I, i've committed that the next one i will be there so that first four weeks you need to literally have that dog in front of you 24 7 basically right it's what it amounts to yeah you have it out all the time now on the other hand if you have a a family or an owner that's not watching the puppy very close and that puppy can sneak off just like once every uh so 10 to 14 days and eliminates in the house uh you're looking at maybe several months to get that dog trained and so so that first four weeks is critical oh absolutely the, the first four weeks you have that dog is critical right any difference between a dog coming out of a shelter or, you know, that kind of situation where maybe the dog's not necessarily a puppy now? Now what are you going to do? Uh, it, the, it, the, the process is the same. Basically the Basically same. Basically the same. It's just going to take longer. So if you adopt a puppy or a dog, an adult dog, adolescent around a year of age, and that dog grew up and spent a lot of time in a cage where it had to defecate in the cage yep. or lived in a home where nobody watched it, and it's just used to going anywhere in the house whenever it wanted, uh, then you're looking at more time. So a year of age and never been house trained, you're looking more like about six months maybe to train wow. that dog to where you can really trust so, it. And I think it's important people to know the reality of this, okay? At the, you know— you, you go to one of these adoption facilities, you go to one of the, you know, they have an adoption fair at a pet store or something, and you fall in love with the dog, mm-hmm. you better think twice about what you're getting into. If you're not prepared to deal with it, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. You know, I admire people that go to a shelter and, and, and take in a, and a dog like that because it's a courageous decision. It because is. Because you're going to work harder on the house training. Uh, you may have to work harder on social social problems. The pet's never been socialized. You don't know exactly what you're getting into, uh, but you're taking that leap of faith and that commitment to really help a dog out that, that needs a place uh, to stay. One really important thing I need we talk about we need to talk about is punishment. There's no role for punishment in house training a dog. Repeat and, that because I think people, you know, you hear rub their nose in it, oh, you hear spank up. Oh. Okay, got, all right. <laughs> getting worse. Need, audience, getting worse. you need to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the only thing that I would recommend to a pet owner is if they catch the pet in the act and only if they catch the pet in the act and it starts to eliminate, just interrupt the behavior. So a little clap of hands, uh, just thump the wall a little bit, just make a little bit of a noise, enough to tighten up every little sphincter in a puppy's body, Okay, but not scare it. 
and then take it out, and hopefully it'll finish. You, you, we can ward it out. You can reward it outside. So the but, punishment doesn't do anything to curtail the, the behavior. All it does is ruin your bond with the pet, or maybe teach a pet not to want to eliminate in front of you outdoors because it's afraid you'll you'll oh, s- scream at Just it. Just the or opposite or effect like of what you want it to be. Exactly. It'll. It, I guarantee you, if you're using punishment, it will slow down the house training. Wow. How interesting. How important is exercise? Exercise. Uh, you know, oh, really important. Okay, so, yeah, especially depending on the breed too. So right. some of these little pocket pet type puppies <laughs> that, are, that are small. Chihuahua is not going to be quite the same yeah, as. Yeah, they, they, they uh, still need some exercise. Yeah, not yeah, as much so. But yeah. if you got a working breed dog, uh, you need to commit yourself to going out and walking that dog. The young dog, the adolescent dog, probably a couple times a day. Uh, you probably engage it in playing fetch. Uh, but but for the little dogs, they do need exercise also, and um, uh, lot less lots less area for. <laughs> but a lot less area to do that exactly. Yeah, they can run around the house sometimes yeah. yeah but for small dogs and young puppies that haven't had all their vaccinations where you're not getting them out for long walks yet uh they can ex- you can exercise that puppy at home and one of the games i like to play is uh, a recall game where they chase after treats or, or puppies like their food so well you can use you can do this at dinner time as a game and you take a piece of kibble or a treat and you throw it eight or about eight feet away and the puppy will run after it and pick it up and when it does you say its name you go rover and when the puppy looks you call it back over and have it sit and give it a piece of food and you can just do this where you can throw it all the way down the hallway How interesting and so you can provide a lot it's of simple. exercise in the home it's simple it's safe and you're also training the puppy to come on command so great game the recall game yeah that 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 really makes a lot of sense that that's something that uh that's not difficult to do. You no. don't need a training facility. You know, you don't need a, yeah, that, that's, yeah. And you don't need a sunny day. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no and, and, we, and we've had a few less sunny days around here lately, no doubt about it. So, all right. So, all right, when we come back from the break now, we're going to talk more about um, uh, uh, mental stimulation. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other issues that are out there um, uh, this summer, uh, spring and summer that you may be dealing with uh, when when looking at your current pet, or maybe you're, look, maybe you're one of those people looking to adopt, and you just heard. Uh, doctor talk about you know if you go into one of the pet stores you need to know what you're getting into and if you adopt from a shelter you you know he said you know you're a courageous person for doing it but you also need to know what the challenges are going to be so stay tuned we'll be right back after the break you're listening to america's healthcare advocate broadcasting here on the hia radio network coast to coast across the usa you can find out more about dr han house and westwood animal hospital at their website westwoodanimalhospital.com we'll be right back with more stay tuned Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. My guest in studio with me today for the fourth in our series on pet health and pet health care, uh, again, uh, is Dr. Wayne Hunthouse. And we're happy to have him in the studio and take time to come and do this with us and educate all of you in our listening audience. For those of you here in Kansas City, in the metro, uh, if you want to... Uh, see Dr. Hanhausen or talk about some of the programs they've got there, and they've got some great ones on behavior. You heard him tell uh, some of the behavior stories, which are always interesting. The website is westwoodanimalhospital.com, westwoodanimalhospital.com. The phone number, 913-362-2512. 
as I said, he's been our vet for the last 10 years, and uh, they, they do a great job at Westwood Animal Hospital. My producer, Darren Wilhite, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. So we're going to continue this conversation in this segment. So, you know, we don't spend a lot of time on cats. but uh, So potty training cats is a lot easier. Okay, that's, that's a little different deal. You get a litter box, clean the litter box, and most of the time the cat's going to do the right thing. Right? That's right. Yeah. 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 But, but, but talk about cats and exercise because that you really don't think about that okay you know little kittens running around and you know so talk about cats and yeah, exercise yeah. kittens can be pretty crazy yeah they can be i <laughs> they mean they be really crazy. can be literally we've had three we had four at one time and they can be crazy yeah yeah and so a, a lot of kitten play is predatory type play it's right it's chasing pouncing uh biting and uh it, that's towards a toy that's pretty cool but if it's toward the back of your ankles or calves <laughs> or if it's in the uh-huh. middle of the night when you're trying to sleep that's a different story or they jump on your face in yes. the bed or something else. yeah yeah and so uh puppies and kittens uh lots of exercise a lot of mental stimulation tired kittens are good kittens is the yeah. way i see it yeah and so you want to set some side aside some time each day for active play you know there are a lot of good toys out there feather toys on strings and oh poles. yeah they can chase you can do the little laser light games where they chase laser lights uh i will do treat parties with kittens sometimes treat parties the kitten gets a little bit active and i can just tell it's got that look in its eye and i've got the time i'll sit down and get a handful of a kitten kibble or or little kitten small kitten treats and i'll throw one to the left and let the kitten chase it over there throw one up on a chair and let it chase it there so i've got that kitten running around the room chasing little pieces pieces of food uh, there are also uh, toys uh, for cats that are similar to the ones that we use for dogs now to keep them busy and they're usually their little balls or egg-shaped toys with holes in them and you can put treats in those so the kitten pounces on these things and shoves them around the room instead of uh you know going for your your toes or whatever yeah we started after you know, you, you, you talked about this on one of the shows we started doing that if we were going to leave greta for a long period of time like three or four hours which we try not to do unless we absolutely have to but we we st- I, I took that kong ball and i started putting peanut butter and and uh, and kibble inside that kong ball that ball got worked over I, yeah. when i got home though there was still stuff in it because you couldn't get it all out but let yeah. me she was busy yeah. okay yeah she was extremely busy with that and totally distracted from the fact that we were out the door i really didn't much matter at that point that we were out the door because she had that kong ball yeah. filled with peanut butter and kibble yeah it was a great it's a great trick it's very simple mm-hmm. and it gets their attention yeah i really like the toys where they where they have to push them around in the in the in the food comes out because that uh provide some exercise i did have one standard poodle though who got it kind of figured out and uh, what he would do is he'd give it a shove over to the corner and then he'd, he'd corner it with this with a paw on either side in the corner and just push it back, back and forth between forth, his paws and then eat the, and eat the gibble and he'd have to that's run a, around that's a smart dog that's <laughs> they a, are that, that's, they're really yeah, smart yeah that, that's a pretty smart dog no doubt so it, uh, one of the things that you know you talk about as we start rolling into summer is summer scares and and a lot of dogs don't like storms okay so talk a little about that and what do you do if you've got a dog and you know here in the midwest and in you know in places like florida and in the south alabama and uh, and texas and other places yeah you know thunderstorms are, are the norm not so much out in california and nevada and like arizona but you get into the midwest and south southeastern united states um, we have some pretty i mean <laughs> our house will shake sometimes the yeah. thunder so 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 uh prevalent yeah I've, I've had a number of calls in the last couple of weeks because we've, we've had, had some pretty strong yeah we've had a lot of that and uh th- that problem is really devastating for some dogs i mean they i've had cases where where dogs i remember i had a black lab uh that uh, chewed was in, a, in a, a room in a basement and it chewed through a completely through a wall it chewed through a door at the bottom of the basement stairs uh, it was a hollow core door and it was halfway through a solid core door at the top of the stairs when the owner came home 
I had another dog uh, that uh, wow actually bent the metal frame on a window and broke the glass and escaped, and in doing so, had some major lacerations. And so your your heart really goes out to them because wow. I mean they panic, they panic, they're just scared to death. And there's just they're in a fight or flight response. They've got all yeah. the, the hearts pumping and the eyes dilate, and uh, it's 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 really sad. Okay, so what do you do? Well, if it's mild or just beginning, I try to keep the dog distracted and provide something pleasant. So if it's mild anxiety, uh, then as a storm starts to roll in or even the uh, sky starts to get get dark they can get the kong toys with the food right. and uh, uh try to engage the dog in one of those so hopefully it's distracted and doing something pleasant as the storm slowly comes through uh or we'll do uh, uh, uh storm parties and what i'll have the owner do storm parties get, get a handful of lunch meat or hot dogs and yeah. go thunderstorm and throw a piece of hot dog to the dog and they'll run down the hallway and go another storm and throw a piece of hot dog so the dog is chasing the owner around the house and eating hot dogs and so that's a, a double distraction for that dog now the really serious dogs where they're really having a, having panic attacks um those dogs typically require medication because okay. generally if you have a pet that's afraid of something you can do what's called desensitization and counter conditioning which means that you expose the pet to a little bit of it and associate it with something good so if you have a pet that's afraid of gunshot maybe you can take a starter pistol and wrap it in a towel so it just kind of pops a little bit just so the pet recognizes a small popping noise and then you give it a piece of steak or chicken or something really good and gradually you unwrap the gun so the sound gets louder and louder so the sound of a gun predicts the pet will get something good the problem with storms is they're very complicated situations you've got thunder you've got lightning changes in ambient light you've got uh, uh changes in barometric pressure you've yeah. got odors uh, associated with the storm and you can't really desensitize against all these stimuli and uh, so conventional desensitization doesn't work. Some uh, We'll find some dogs that you can get a recording of, the, of thunder and desensitize it to that really strong stimulus, but usually uh, they require medication. We have a variety of really good medications these days that don't just sedate the dog. They really make the dog less anxious, much safer, much more preferable for, for the families. So obviously it's really important to take that issue seriously, especially when you tell stories about dogs breaking through glass windows and yeah. you know tearing doors down and all the rest of it. So thank you. I know you're extremely busy. Thanks for coming in today. Always it was a lot place. of fun. It was great to do. It was, it's always fun to do these shows. Yeah. And we I think everybody learns more every time you come in and do this. Dr. Hunhausen at Westwood Animal Hospital, the website, westwoodanimalhospital.com. The phone number for you folks here in the Kansas City Metro, 913-362-2512, 913-362-2512. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.